Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Amanda. And today we're going to be discussing rape culture. Yeah, so this uh, this term rape culture is one that I think gets thrown around quite a bit. And I don't know that everybody that uses it really understands what the term rape culture means right absolutely it's hard to know because it it talks about so many different things and um you know to just have everybody throwing it around how do you really know what they're referring to yeah well and I want to ask you guys too do we before before we really define the phrase rape culture do we do you guys like this phrase do you do you do you support the phrase rape culture? Uh, personally, like when anyone uses rape culture, like if I'm doing a presentation and we talk about rape culture and stuff, like I will use the term because it's a term that people are generally more familiar they recognize with it more. Yeah, yeah, they're more familiar with the term. Mm-hmm. So I'll use it there. But when I'm using the term rape culture, generally it's framed around a culture of harm. Okay. Because things that play into rape culture play in, are coming from a culture of harm, which we will get into in a little bit. But the things that play into rape culture play into harms that of all different types of harm, not just rape. So I personally find the term a little cringy, um, which I mean, it's not supposed to be a warm, fuzzy term, but I think that it's served its purpose in making people aware of some of the things going on but I also think it's it's time for us to move on as a society into something that encompasses more of like Sean said that continuum of harm instead of just focusing on it being rape culture yeah I think those are both really good points I think my major issue with the phrase is that it's centered around the word rape Um, and this is something that I have an issue with when we're talking about sexual assault in general Um, I very much feel like limiting um, using the word rape is a very specific act right it's a very specific type of sexual assault Um, and using that to define something so large as as an entire harmful culture I think um, presents problems because it's not just rape that is that that is the end you know the end um, product of all of these harmful behaviors. Um, it's also it's all types of sexual assault. Um, I just think that it's kind of like it's like saying that a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't. A square if that makes sense like rape is part of sexual assault but not all sexual assault is rape um so i think that's my issue with it is that it's kind of a, a narrow term um also it can be triggering yeah and calling calling it 
you know, this rape culture, it kind of makes rape feel like the end-all be-all of all these sexual assaults and that if we haven't gotten to the point of rape, then it hasn't fallen completely into it when we know that that's not true. So Right. Yeah, all types of sexual assault are, all experiences are valid um, and there's not this, some there's not some sort of hierarchy of things that are more traumatic or worth more energy, right? Like <laughs> anytime that somebody is violated, uh, that's just as valid as an actual, you know, penetrative rape. So um, I definitely agree. Yeah. So when we look at the definition then of rape culture, so just from a simple definition, um, if you Google rape culture definition, this is the first one that comes up. It's a society or environment whose prevailing social attitudes have the effect of normalizing or trivializing sexual assault and abuse. So, again, going back to the statement that I made earlier, that is the basically the exact same definition if you were to take out sexual assault and just put in harm. Because our society, along with every other society, has put into place certain things that allow for violence or harm to take place. And all forms of violence and harm stem from those same things. Right. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's back it up and reiterate that definition. So basically what we're talking about in rape culture or culture of harm is, is behaviors in our society that are normalized and that eventually lead to sexual assault or sexual violence or um, any type of uh, gender-based harm, right? So it's it's things that are that are seemingly small, maybe on you know a case by case basis, but in totality and when they are widely accepted, become incredibly problematic because we're humans, <laughs> and when things are acceptable to us in a widespread scale we, um, you know, it allows us to think that things aren't quite as, you know, bad as, as we think they are. Take, you know, violence in movies and TV shows. Like I remember when we were growing up, there's, there was huge conversations about whether or not seeing guns and fights and, um, you know, physical violence in our TV shows was going to make a generation of violent children. Um, and it kind of got to the point where everybody agreed, yeah, seeing violence on TV normalizes violence. It normalizes guns in action movies. It normalizes things blowing up and cars hitting each other and that sort of thing. Um, and it's no different when we're talking about sexual violence. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation, well, quote unquote debate with somebody on social media because, you know, I am a glutton for punishment and just get into regular social media arguments with people because that's what sean do it's true but the guy was basically arguing that well just because i've watched these shows and stuff doesn't mean i've gone out and raped someone i'm like that's not what i'm saying right i'm not saying that you've gone out and raped somebody i know and most people know that most people will never rape somebody but what i am saying is that because we don't I call out or educate on how those things are harmful or how when we allow for those things to continue and just laugh it off, we're creating a culture then that 
in turn views these things as not as important. And then those people who would go on to rape someone are allowed to have those viewpoints. And because they have those viewpoints, they may end up viewing somebody as lesser. And because they view them as lesser, they're able to go through with that violence. Yeah. Right. So when people don't get checked on those seemingly small things like the 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 sexual jokes or the innuendos, things like that, when people don't get checked by someone else on that and told, hey, that's not going to be acceptable, then that allows them, like Ali said earlier, to become more normalized. And as it becomes more normalized, there's always going to be some pushing of the envelope. So this is now normal. So now I'm going to go above and beyond it. And then when everybody starts to go above and beyond it, then that again becomes normal. And we just keep pushing and pushing until we get into this culture where, you know, some people aren't viewed as um, like a full autonomous body who has rights of their own. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, let's let's um, let's break it down a little bit and talk about some of the specific acts that make up this term of rape culture or culture of harm, Um, you know, in that definition of what rape culture is, uh, you know, the one that I found, and I think that this sums it up quite nicely, is that rape culture is perpetuated through the use of misogynistic language, objectification of women's bodies, and the glamorization of sexual violence. Um, So these are all, you know, those are three kind of large (laughs) categories, um, but there's going to be examples in each of those. So what are some concrete examples of perpetuating rape culture? My favorite example to use with students is when we tell a man or a boy that he throws or does something like a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us more, tell us more about why that perpetuates rape culture. So when we tell a man or a boy that he throws or does something like a girl, we are never complimenting that guy. Like, The example that I'll use a lot with my students is like throughout all of my years as being an athlete, which I know is surprising that I was an athlete at one point, (laughs) but when I was a soccer player, at no point would I have heard my coach say that I was playing like a girl. Would I have looked at him and said, yeah, coach, I know I'm the next Alex Morgan. Right. You wouldn't have said, thanks, coach. That's really, that's really kind of you. Even though I know our women's national soccer team is substantially better than our men's team, you know, something to the sound of four World Cups and our men's team not qualifying for now the past two World Cups. But that's Besides a different discussion. That. <laughs> but when we say these things to men, the intent there is to get them to do better. So by telling young boys that you're throwing or doing something like a girl, we are teaching them from a very young age that what they are doing is not good enough or to do something like a girl is not good enough or is bad. So we are inherently then giving them the viewpoint that women are less than them. Because if they didn't view women as less than them, that wouldn't work to get them to do better. Yeah, I think that's a really great example. And uh, just one of the things that we tell kids, little boys especially, that really grinds my gears. There's a lot of phrases um, that our society says to little boys, and that's they're and they're somehow acceptable. Like boys don't cry, um, and you know, and obviously, like what you said, you're throwing like a girl or fighting like a girl. Um, it, it just 
like boys don't cry that makes me so mad because again it's it's gendering something that's inherently human and not gendered it's gendering emotions and by doing that and by criticizing little boys for having something that's not that's just emotion like it's just putting boys and girls on different playing fields like somehow boys need to be better than that and that's not (laughs) crying is not a better than sort of thing like you cry when you're upset there's no level of you should or shouldn't do this so what are some other examples um another one that i really like to use with my students is um talking about catcalling oh yeah because when we think about catcalling it's never a guy yelling at a girl saying like hey you look like you have a great personality i would love to have a conversation God, I wish that's what catcalling was. That would be so much more <laughs> tolerable. It's always something about their physical appearance. Yeah. Always. So they're saying you're hot, you're sexy, you're attractive. Or they're equating that woman then to a sexual object. Right. So they're just seeing that woman then as something that they can use. Because if you're seeing something as an object, you're seeing that th- seeing them as just something you can use then. Because that's what we do with objects. And... If the purpose behind catcalling was to actually talk to that person or get to know them or, like, have them go on a date, like, there's way better ways to initiate that conversation. Yeah. It's like, at no point have I ever seen a woman get catcalled. Did she chase the person down and be like, wait, you forgot my phone number? Right. But here's the other thing about that. Like, for for men, they may feel like that's the way that they get a woman's attention because we don't in our society, we don't really teach men. It's okay to have emotions. Like we don't say that, Hey, it's okay for you to go up to a woman and say, you look really nice. Can I take you out on a date? Like that's not normal in our culture. That's not the norm. It should be. But instead there's that objectification where it is expected of men to be this macho hypersexualized being that, that gets somebody's attention first with physical attraction. And then maybe later on, you can be vulnerable and talk about your feelings and stuff. But first, you need to put up this front about sexual, about sexuality, right? Which it's also one of my like favorite things that came out of like when Me Too was like super like in the like media and like uh, social media and all that stuff is that guys were just complaining that they didn't know how to talk to girls then. I was like, if you are willingly acknowledging you have no idea how to talk to girls then without potential fear of coming off as somebody who is sexually harassing them, you have now admitted that you have no idea how to talk to girls without harassing them. Right. Yeah, like maybe you should take a step back then. (laughs) Yeah, because like there are plenty of things you can say to a girl to get their attention or to talk to them. Like you don't need to sexually harass someone or catcall them to do it because it's not going to work. Right. And the fact that we haven't taught our boys how to do that, how to talk to somebody without going straight to that sexualization of it is just really sad. Like boys can't even talk to each other if they knew how to just have a conversation in general, then they would be able to translate that to conversations with girls but they don't even have those kinds of conversations with their own friends or their family you know you can't talk to dad like that because that's not 
what boys do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when looking at catcalling, then a lot of times my audience and stuff like the women are like, yep, 100% agree. Everything you just said is right. But the guys are like, I'm not quite sold on this yet or seeing the harm in catcalling. So I just ask them like, okay, so let's say you're walking on the street and you're with your mom and someone honks or whistles at her. What's your response? Is it thanks for complimenting my hot mom? No, <laughs> you're angry now because you know exactly what the guy is saying when it happens to a woman you care about. Right. So then why are you not recognizing the same harm in it when it happens to a woman you don't know? Yeah, that's a really good point. And going off of that, we also have this culture that, you know, pushes men into these sexual beings where they can be as promiscuous as they want and it's viewed as just these you know he's really cool look at all this action he's getting things like that but a woman shows even the slightest sign of promiscuity and all of a sudden we start slut shaming her um so i mean there's this huge double standard there that kind of also leads to the rape culture continuum of harm that we're talking about because Women aren't allowed to have that sexuality. Mm -hmm. And it's funny to me that we have a society that is set up to where we shame women for having sex, yet we praise men for having sex or having multiple sexual partners. Right. Which just with that viewpoint, then, who are we expecting men to have sex with? Well, there's also a double standard for women, too, though. Women are supposed to be not sexual right we're supposed to protect ourselves and save ourselves for for a wholesome marriage and family but then at the same time our bodies are objectified in the media and there are millions of of people around the world watching pornography where women are not doing that and so there's this also so there's you know this idea that yeah women have to be good and pious and virtuous but also like you should know how to get down and dirty in bed like there's just there's something but then you're going to be shamed for that but also if you're if you're good and pious then you're going to get shamed for that and be called a prude too right so yeah, a huge, you can't be cold right but... don't be men don't like it when you're cold but also don't be a slut so like these are these are the women that are okay for me to, you know, date and have sex with and and have like one night stands with, but that's not the kind of girl that I'm going to take home to mom. Right. Uh, you know, I've got to have someone wholesome and pure that I can take home to mom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all contributing to that culture of harm, these double standards about gender, and really that's what um, you know, as always, we have reiterated on this show that domestic and sexual violence can happen to anybody regardless of gender Um, and it can happen between two people regardless of those two people's gender it can happen in same-sex relationships and trans folks lives and non-binary folks lives it can happen you know anywhere to anybody however overall this issue of rape culture of this culture of harm is set up and based on inequity inequality and discrimination between men and women, between male and female identified folks. Yeah. Even when we look at the viewpoints and stuff, like 
that you guys have mentioned about how we view men, those same those viewpoints that men are not, not allowed to cry, men are supposed to be sexual beings and things like that, you see those play out in rape culture still. Yeah. Because if a guy has sex with, if a young boy has sex with his teacher, that's how we phrase it. We phrase it as a boy having sex with his teacher, right. not that teacher raped that kid. Yeah. Because that's what it is. But if it was a male teacher and a female female student, that's a sexual assault. We recognize that as a sexual assault. Right. Yeah, defining defining manhood as this, like I said earlier, this hyper masculinity and this hypersexuality, like the ideal masculine man is is going to have all these conquests. That's what that's seen as, you know, this hot for teacher situation. That's literally statutory rape. It's not any different than a male teacher with a female student. It's literally no different, but our society sees it so differently because, oh, nice dude. Like that's like, I don't know what boys say. What do boys say about that? I mean, just it would really just be like, oh, wow, dude, that's awesome. I can't believe you were able to have sex with her. Like, how would you do that? Which perpetuates the idea that men can't be victims. Mm-hmm. And because men should always want it. Yeah, so this idea of rape culture doesn't just impact female victimization. It impacts victimization of all people. Right, for sure. Which is why I try to frame this con- frame the conversation when I'm having it with people as that culture of harm because if we take if we move the p- conversation from rape culture to a culture of harm, then we're seeing all of these harmful behaviors and how they impact everyone, not just who we are assuming are victims of rape. Yeah. Right. Because you say the word rape and your mind automatically makes a connection that that rape happened to a woman. And in our minds, it just always happens that way. There's no other possibility. If you're talking about someone being raped, it was obviously a man raping a woman. And so then you're ignoring this whole other side of the issue. Well, and... You know, I, I, I realize as we're talking now that, um, you know, we were talking about uh, the double standards for female sexuality. And I used the word I said, don't be a slut. Right. Like that's the um, that's the expectation for girls, for women is to not be slutty. And even that word, um, you know, we're using it in a protected environment here. But language absolutely um, contributes to rape culture, to a culture of harm and continuing to use these harmful words that a lot of people don't think are that harmful but really are um is is making it worse and one of those is slut um that is that is a shameful word that is not used to compliment anybody um and it's used to to degrade women um and there are there are a lot of words like that right even when you say something like okay we don't slut shame here that phrase in itself is harmful. Right. Like it implies that there are such things as sluts. And like, really, there's just like, I don't even think that that word needs to be here. Like people can enjoy sex. You do you. Like, why do you have to be, why do you have to be called a slut? So like the word slut shaming 
I don't, I don't know. It just, it doesn't really so, make sense to me. The way that I would look at this is because one of the other behaviors that I often talk about is referring to one's girlfriend as my bitch. Oh, yep. So but from when it comes, men or from women? When a, So when a guy calls a girl a bitch, we understand that there's harm in that because like, okay, so we can see like, oh yeah, he's definitely referring to her and her referring to her in a derogatory manner sure but when women use when they call one of their other friends like oh it's my bitch or like what's up bitch it's like when they're using it between each other we see less harm in it because the fact that they're using that word to take away power from the word so even when we have like people like it's like oh we don't slut shame or like why would you slut shame her like i see it as people taking the term slut and using that as like oh yeah go off you slut like it's like reclaiming the word. It's, yeah, they're taking the harm from the word or potentially turning it into something that can be viewed as a positive so that we got to come up with something different if we're going to be derogatory towards them now right. because slut is not having the same impact. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point. And we, we see that with other um, derogatory words being reclaimed by uh, the by the groups of people that it affects most, right? That it's intended to harm the most. Um, so we're pretty familiar with that. And I think that's an, a really interesting um, viewpoint of it. I, and I don't really know, I don't really, I don't really know if there's an answer f- for that. You know, I try to avoid those words just because, you know, I think that if I say them, then it almost gives permission for other people to say them, knowing what I do, what I know, and that sort of thing. Um, and I don't want to give p- other people permission. So maybe that's something that I need to explore in myself, but it feels, it feels, I feel protective over that. Like I can't, I can't allow that. So I'm sure, I'm sure as hell not, sure as heck not going to say it, you know? But like, I'm not going out and calling like girls sluts and stuff for either sure. for like, having them like no we know that you're not sean (laughs) like go for it have sex with whoever you want like who am i to judge like how many people you have sex with like maybe you just like having sex with a lot of people that's fine right but it's also the fact like even seeing like how my friends and i will communicate with each other like we'll say bish yeah like if we're texting each other like it's bish not bitch yeah like we've recognized like We've changed our our language just like a little bit, so like we're not using the harmful term, but like we instead of fully replacing it, right. we've found a yeah. workaround. I mean, language has different contexts and different meanings, and I think, um, I think that's something worth recognizing is that you know maybe I don't know maybe it's okay for me to use that term if I'm saying hi to my friends. Maybe it's not. Maybe it depends on the people involved, but language does matter and. Um, and those types of words, you know, bitch, slut, whore, um, man, whore, any of those sort of things, those also, we, we see depictions of those in another harmful behavior, which is jokes, right? Inappropriate jokes. So really quickly, before we jump into sexist jokes, I would point out that man whore doesn't necessarily have the same negative connotation to it as a whore would. No, it doesn't. And that's the double standard. That's the double yeah, standard. Because if we're calling guy a, calling a guy a man whore, it's like, oh, thank you for recognizing that as a man, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm getting laid regularly. Yeah. But even the context of a man whore is we're still taking a derogatory term towards a woman 
throwing man in front of it and trying to now make and making it better somehow we're either making it better by not viewing it as an insult or we're trying to take something that's derogatory towards women or women's bodies and then using putting man in front of it to try to demean that guy to the level of a whore right or how we're viewing female sexuality yeah interesting but anyway yeah anyways um yeah sexist jokes are problematic listen we're we're not like we're not the we have senses of humor okay like we enjoy comedy we are not boring people but as sean has said many times if your entire comedy set or your entire career or your entire funniness is based on sexist or racist jokes like find new material like the world is really funny you don't need to degrade people to to make your point yeah if you if you think that you have groups of people you can't tell your joke around because they're not gonna find it funny then you're not telling a funny joke yeah because a joke should be able to be funny to everyone exactly so if somebody says a racist a sexist joke to you and you can say i don't get it explain it to me and they go oh well (laughs) it's because it's not a funny joke it's because it's just you being sexist and people going ah yeah look at you being sexist so i'll jump in really quick here just to point out that We are not saying if you have told a sexist joke, if you have told somebody that they're playing or doing something like a girl, that you're a bad person. Sure, sure, sure. Good point. (laughs) Because I can guarantee you most people have either told or laughed at a sexist joke or said you play or feel like a girl or said or done some of these behaviors that we've talked about. Including the three of us. Yeah, We're not shy on this show about telling you that we mess up. We have messed up, we do mess up, and we will mess up. I am keenly aware that I have done behaviors that are potentially harmful or behaviors that have made people uncomfortable in settings because we're going to mess up or we're going to do some of these behaviors because we are taught that some of these behaviors are okay or acceptable because of the culture of harm that we reside in Mm -hmm. and it's not until we try and educate ourselves and talk amongst ourselves sometimes that we even realize that those things are harmful and then we can learn and do better right until you know better you can't do better yeah but that is also not to absolve people from their harmful behaviors like recognizing that i've done harm does not make does not mean that i've not done harm I've still done harm. I have still hurt people. Right, but but it doesn't mean that you're an inherently bad person. And I think that's where people get really up in arms about this, you know, in this conversation is they feel like when we're saying these things aren't okay because the people that we're talking to have done these things, they take it as us saying you're not okay. You are a bad person. And that's not the case. Listen, as humans, we mess up. And not being able to take accountability or just be like, I'm sorry that I did that. I, I'm not going to do it again. Not being able to do that is, is perpetuating that harm. Yeah. It's, I'm sure both of you have not seen this, but um, probably it's why not. I like, 
It's why I'm just like going to the... preface that. We probably have not seen anything <laughs> you're about to talk about. It's why I like the quote so much, though, from Falcon and the Winter Soldier when Sam is talking to Bucky. He reiterates to Bucky, he's like, just because it's like you're doing these things that you're doing to make yourself feel better. You're not helping. Like, you're not doing the work. Sure, I can like I can say like, oh, I've done those things. But if, unless I'm actively trying to change the behaviors that I've done or work on making myself better, I'm not doing anything other than trying to make myself feel better. It's performative. Yeah. It's like I sit in every day doing the work that I do, recognizing that I have done harm. Yeah. That's not going to change the fact that I've done harm before. It's not going to make me feel any better. But what I'm working towards is making sure that I no longer do those things because I know that they're harmful. Right. And because you can make other people aware that those things are harmful and then maybe stop that sexist joke culture that we have that starts with young boys and young girls, too. Not, you know, specifically putting this on on boys, but making sure that those things stop before they've become normalized and then pushed to the next level. Right. So when we look at this continuum then, or we look at the continuum of harm, we have those behaviors that we don't really see a whole lot of harm in. So like catcalling women, telling sexist jokes, those kinds of behaviors where like, okay, we can kind of see the harm in those things, but like it's nowhere near raping someone. Like they're not being raped. It's just a sexist joke. And we know most people who tell those sexist jokes will never go on to rape somebody. But there are people, or what we're doing is we're allowing for people who have those viewpoints to go on to the next, like that quote-unquote next step, or the part in the continuum where they might blame a woman for being raped because of what they were wearing. Or they might think it's okay to get a girl drunk to then essentially assault her. And then they're they have those beliefs that have allowed them now to rape someone. Which have been reinforced by the people around them telling and laughing at sexist jokes or perpetuating rape myths or using uh, sexist language, that sort of thing. And so if you're using, you know, if you're using that language, saying those jokes, et cetera, et cetera, while you may not believe it or ever act <laughs> any any further than that you don't know who around you is taking that as a step of permission or a level of permission to continue on that on that level or continue to the next level of harm so like if you're looking at an abandoned building and somebody throws a rock and breaks a window and nothing gets done about it and that window stays broken you can be sure that the next time you go by there's going to be more broken windows because nobody's taken that care to correct those steps. Eventually, that building is going to have so many broken windows and broken doors and the fence is going to be, you know, ripped up. And then someone's going to come along and and burn that building down with arson. Right. Now, if somebody comes along and breaks that window and it gets fixed right away and then we fix the fence and we put up signs and there's security cameras around, you're going to prevent that building from getting burned down by stopping those steps in the beginning. It's a really good analogy. I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. And one of the things that I point out a lot in presentations or I try to make sure that I hit on is that as men, 
like especially the guys in the audience like so i try to like give them something because like these presentations can be kind of heavy yeah especially if you've done some of these things like you're like oh crap i suck so what i try to iterate to the men in the room is that we have a strong voice when it comes to ending gender-based violence specifically because if there's a guy who has those really crappy viewpoints about women he's not gonna listen to women right that's a good point. It's not going to be his female friends that are standing up to him and saying, hey, that's a sexist joke. You think you think he's going to listen to that? No. Yeah. So as men, we have to educate other men on how those behaviors can be harmful. And that way we'll see less rapes happen. And the other point that I try to make for them is like, if we are not actively helping We are actively allowing for these beliefs to continue because if we were to look at the things that we do to teach women to protect themselves from being raped, and we have a whole list of them, we teach them these things to protect themselves from men they don't know, Mm -hmm. which means if you're a guy that that woman does not know, you are viewed as a potential rapist. So this is where the culture of harm ends up harming guys too, is that we have a system set up to where we are now being viewed as a potential rapist, even though we know most of us will never rape someone. Yeah. Um, and actually, you, you mentioned something. You said all of the ways that women are set up or taught to protect themselves. Um, that in itself is perpetuating rape culture. And I think that's worth us talking about. This is one of my pet peeves. This is something that I think people get really confused on. Um, Mm -hmm. is this idea that uh, between risk reduction and prevention, right? So like teaching women to not be assaulted is essentially placing the, the burden of that act on them to prevent, which means that there is some level of blame on women. And so when you know, we keep seeing self-defense classes and, you know, pink mace that's geared towards women with the one in five women being sexually assaulted in their lifetime statistic attached to it. And um, my personal favorite in high school, uh, we were split up by gender and the boys went and did some wrestling on the wrestling mats and us girls were taught self-defense and how not to die. Perpetuating rape culture not cool not cool men can be attacked too like if we're gonna teach self-defense let's teach self-defense for like everybody against everyone it just doesn't make any sense to me maybe i'm going off on a rant here but no it's exactly right because you're placing women in that role of victim because this is what's going to potentially happen to to you one day and you need to be prepared to handle it And you're taking the blame completely off of the perpetrator instead of saying, hey, to avoid all of these things, just don't rape people. We're teaching girls and women all these different ways to avoid being raped. Yeah. And the problem with giving women this this whole list of things to do to protect themselves from being raped is, I will say, while yes, it is nice to be able to protect yourself. Sure. The problem with it is that because we teach women all of these different things, that's now their checklist if they get assaulted. Ah. 
if a woman That's gets assaulted. That's a good assaulted. point, Sean. I'm yes. sorry, I don't mean to talk over you, but I've never thought of it that way. No wonder women blame themselves when they are attacked. I have shin stomp stomp, scrape the shin, stomp the ankle, stomp the toes, just burned into my brain. If I was assaulted and I didn't shin stomp stomp or I didn't knee their genitals or I didn't scream or I didn't have my keys in in the in the Wolverine position in my hand or I wasn't carrying my mace or I was walking alone at night or maybe I had one too many drinks. Of course, I'm going to blame myself because I was mm-hmm. taught better. Yep. Yep. And when a woman runs through that checklist, she puts blame on herself, reduces the likelihood that she then reports the crime in the first place, and we are then allowing for rapists to get away with raping someone. And it's not just the survivor themselves. It's everybody around them. It's all of the women in their lives that went through those self-defense classes, too. It's every mother out there who's afraid that their daughter is going to be attacked on campus. They run through that checklist, too. Because you know why? They were taught the exact same things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you have that person who does report, so many times you're having that checklist bounced off of them. Did you do this? Did you do this? And that's how they decide whether or not this was actually an assault as opposed to consensual. Yeah. Wow. That's a really um, powerful revelation. I've never put those things together. Um, Good job, Sean. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. So, you know, there's just, I mean, we could go on and on and on, uh, you know, specific behaviors. And I'm sure as we continue our show, we'll talk more about this. Um, But we don't, I guess we want our listeners to come away after this episode knowing that we're not blaming you. We don't think that you are bad humans if you've done any of these things. But when you know better, you can do better, right? And we encourage you to self-reflect on that because it can make a difference. You know, it could make the difference between, you know, if you're choosing to laugh at a sexist joke or not, It could be the difference between giving some random guy in the room a level of permission to act on something that he has been wanting to do for a while or standing up to your buddies and maybe getting a little flack for it. But what's the real harm in getting a little flack compared to somebody else in that room perpetuating harm on somebody else later on? Especially when you think of it, you know, like we've said, most people aren't going to commit those assaults. Most people aren't going to do those things. And so, you know, you've got a group of your friends together and one person is the one who's always making those sexist jokes or always making those harmful remarks. Sometimes it just takes one person to stand up to them and be like, hey, you know, I just really don't appreciate that. Um, For everyone else in the group to be like, yeah, you know, we really don't like it either. So be that person, be the one who stands up first and allows then for the the less harmful stuff, the non-harmful, the the helping things. Be the person who perpetuates that continuum. Trust me, it is a lot more difficult to have a discussion with somebody 
about how them getting somebody drunk and then taking advantage of them is harmful than it is to have the conversation, hey, that sexist joke was kind of not cool. It's a lot easier to tell your friend that than trying to tell them that, hey, you just raped someone. What is what is the film about the uh, the sexual assault in Ohio? Uh, roll, red, roll, roll, red, roll. Roll, red, roll. That is a perfect example, right? Because mm-hmm. in that example, roll, red, roll, um, which is a documentary. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. You can find it. It is still on Netflix. Pretty sure. Okay. Um, if it's not, it's probably on Amazon Prime or, you know, any of the other streaming services. But in that documentary, it's about a sexual assault case. And it's the perfect example of uh, of what we just talked about because there is a sexual assault that happens and there's a bunch of guys that are standing around kind of knowing what's about to happen. You know, there's two two boys that are that are perpetuating harm by perpetrating a sexual assault and the guys around them could have stopped it literally they could have stopped it and because they didn't two girls were incredibly harmed for this there were criminal charges there was one guy i think at that party who who said something like guys this isn't cool right but it wasn't enough Right. Well, and I mean, this was like a a continued experience. I I haven't spent a while since I watched the documentary, but, um, you know, if if one of those people had said, "Okay, this needs to stop. I'm going to take her home. Yeah. Or I'm going to call someone to come pick her up. Then it wouldn't have continued through the entire night as it did. And just thinking of the documentary is a good example of it. By the time that they were in committing the act, how many times prior to that were sexist jokes told in that friend group? Were conversations and stuff had like just like that where any of them could have objected to what was being said and educated on how those things are harmful or not cool? Right. And maybe they would have been met with that one, you know, that fifth time could have been met with enough resistance that they wouldn't have committed those acts. You know, we're kind of getting into bystander effect here, um, which is a worthy topic, and we might think about doing an episode on that as well. Um, but I think it really does illustrate that that hive mind of like, well, nobody else is going to object to this. Even though I know it's wrong, I'm not going to say anything to single myself out. That is, I mean, that's a selfish decision in the face of what we know happened, but also hindsight is 2020 the point that i will end my like ranting stuff on is that generally we like to hang out with people who have similar viewpoints to us or we at least assume assume they do because we would like to hang out with people who view the world kind of similarly to the way we do which means if a friend tells a sexist joke and none of those friends object to what the person said that person now believes their entire friend group has those same viewpoints on women. Yeah. Which means then they believe they have a support system who believes that women are not as equal and he may be able to perpetrate some type of crime against a woman 
because he believes he has a support system or people who will back him up. That's a good point. Yep. And the same group of people who you can tell your story about how, you know, you got some drinks into this girl and, you know, finally loosened her up and you can tell those stories and be supported in that because they're going to go, all right, man, good job. Finally, it took took long enough or whatever. Um, instead of someone saying, mm, what you just did was sexual assault. Yeah. Well, I think that was a really good conversation, you guys. And we know to our listeners, we know that this is kind of um, a confusing or heavy topic maybe there's a lot that goes into the the topic of rape culture or as we prefer to call it culture of harm um but as always we encourage you to educate yourself um or yourselves look some of this stuff up really reflect on whether or not you have or do participate in in these actions and see maybe where you can reduce your impact on this um you know this total harm so Thank you all for listening today. As always, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at TouchySubsPod. Email us any questions, comments, or concerns to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.